Welcome, friends and listeners, to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast, your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. Thank you for listening. Send host Stephen Brittingham your comments and questions to Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. That is Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. Hi, this is Carrie Genzel, actor, producer, writer, and creator of stateofslay.com. Slay in this case being an acronym for self-love, appreciate you. State of Slay is a blog that I created documenting my journey from the darkness of depression to living in the light today and focusing on the positive. It is a safe place to encourage one another and walk together as we find empowerment and self-love. I hope you'll join me on my blog, stateofslay.com, where we walk and slay together. Slay on. And now, your host, actor and writer, Stephen Brittingham. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you for listening. This is Stephen Brittingham, your host. Gordon Thompson returns to Hollywood and Beyond podcast to share even more Dynasty memories. He's so beautiful. (laughs) My son, I promise to protect you. I promise to give you everything I never had while I was growing up. And I promise that nothing will ever, ever separate us. As well as his highly praised performance as Mason Capwell on NBC's Santa Barbara. Recently, Gordon appeared on The Young and the Restless a mysterious man with a connection to Chelsea Lawson's past. It was truly enjoyable watching Melissa Claire Egan and my special guest today, Gordon Thompson, work so well together. Looking forward to discussing his appearance on The Young and the Restless very much. Gordon's commitment to excellence is equaled by his skill as an actor, and that's really sane something right there. Last time, Gordon broke out into song shortly after I introduced him, so who knows what will happen this time around. Gordon Thompson, the man behind one of television's most memorable villains as Adam Carrington on ABC's Dynasty, returns to Hollywood and beyond. Welcome back, Gordon. I'd forgotten that I sang. That's hysterical. (laughs) You sure did. (laughs) Such a fun moment, too. I really enjoyed that. It was probably the Frog Prince, I have a feeling. You are correct. Good, okay. And we had a wonderful conversation about all of that, and I just want to take this time to say thank you for such a sentimental an in-depth conversation when you first appeared on this show. I just want you to know I enjoyed every moment of it. 
I did too. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Well, thank you, sir. That means a lot to me. And it's so nice to be speaking with you again today. How have you been doing since the last time that we talked? Oh, God, so much. Um, I think I did a play for about six months. Did we discuss that? I don't know if we did or not. That does not sound familiar. Okay. Um, it was a play written by Michael Kearns. Um, we did it in two venues. Um, it was a four-hander, highly autobiographical on, on Michael's part. It was very, it was very intense, and um, it was called Bloodbound, and um, we did it at the highways in Santa Monica, and then we did it again at the Fringe Festival last year, or maybe a year and a half ago. My memory isn't good for dates and things like that. Anyway, it was a wonderful experience because I was playing somebody who, who exists. Um, Michael's brother is uh, serving a life sentence in a prison in St. Louis, Missouri, um, for murder. Uh, he actually, this is true, he battered his best friend to death in a, with a baseball bat in a drunken bar fight. And nobody knows exactly what prompted this extraordinary rage. Um, and I had to describe it in the course of the play. Um, very difficult to do and very challenging and ultimately incredibly satisfying. It may sound strange to say because I was describing a real-life occurrence in which somebody brutally erased another person from the planet, but to delve as much as you can into that experience um, was useful in a way because actors, you know this, actors must be empathetic to some pretty profound degree with any character they play. And this was one of the toughest jobs of empathy I've ever had. Um, but it was, this, sorry, that, that was one thing. That was about six months altogether. Not much else. Um, a few auditions. At my age, there's not a, lot, not a lot of work for anybody, really, unless you are a really renowned character actor, and I'm not. Um, because when you're blessed slash cursed with the DNA that gives you a photogenic look... Um, you're limited, and uh, which actually one reason why I like doing soaps, and I'm so sorry that so many of them have gone. Um, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the Young and the Restless happened in June. Um, I had a very good time, and again, a lot of the people I worked with on Young and the Restless this time around were alumni from um, Santa Barbara. So in many ways, it was old home week, and Old Home Week is always a really, it's a very happy place to go, I think, when you love your job and your colleagues love their job, and the crew is a sound one and is a happy family, basically. And it's that's rarer and rarer um, with the lack of daytime and with the rise of social media, um, where the sense of family, I think, is basically being eroded along with personal connections and private connections and just private lives. And um, 
which is what soaps are all about. And um, let's see what else. A lot of reading. I do a great deal of reading. Um, and that's about it, I think. That was just a fantastic description. Thank you so much, Gordon. And I'm excited oh, to welcome. talk about um, your character and your uh, return to The Young and the Restless because you uh, shared your first experience on the show. Uh, but back to the play. Thank you for those descriptions. Uh, right. That really grabbed me when you said erased from existence. Uh, I, I, that just really grabbed me, you using that phrase. Well, I don't know how else to describe it. When you say that somebody killed somebody, that well, that's a, that's a very weak or unimaginative way to put it. I think, and especially in this case, it was such an extraordinarily brutal crime. They had been friends their whole lives, and he was in his mid-50s when this happened. Um, and it, it's... He has never been able to tell anybody why he did it. Um, so the brutality is more than merely killing. I mean, if you take a gun and aim it carefully, you can kill somebody with a single bullet. This was a brutal example of a crazy, drunken mind enraged. It wasn't calculated. It was, it leapt into existence, I guess, was to be the best way to put it. And, it, you know, he lost count of how many times he hit this man with a baseball bat. That's, to me, an astonishing event. And what was difficult for me as an actor was finding out how to do it without losing an audience's interest um, and very without challenging and very and without being melodramatic about it. Oddly enough, I, I did it and I've got, I'm so stupid. I have forgotten that there were two casts I worked with. Um, very different actors, all very good actors. Uh, and the second man I did it with who played Michael, basically, um, we rehearsed in his garage at one point, because I didn't talk nearly as much as he did. He never shut his mouth. And at one point, when I was describing in the first edition of this play, when I described the scene in the bar with the baseball bat, I got very intense and loud. And this actor had, had two dogs who were in the garage listening to us. And when I did it the first time around, they got very upset. Because why was this man being so emotional and so so negative and aggressive? And they got they didn't they didn't jump up or, but they began to make sad, puzzled dog noises. And I thought, whoops, I better I've got to do this more quietly. Well thanks to their response, they led me to, I think, a more theatrical, truer, oddly enough, method of telling the story very quietly, losing no intensity, but losing the volume. So it was a much more 
I can't say this easily, so I have to say this quietly kind of response. And so thanks to the Sagra's two lovely dogs, whose names were Teddy and Henry, Teddy and Henry helped me I see. <laughs> give a much better performance. There you go. Um, Whatever that, helps. That's, <laughs> it, yes, it was every, everything helps. Everything. Yes. But it was nice. It was two wonderful Airedales helping me this time. And you really enjoy theater, don't you, Gordon? I get that impression. Oh, I love it. Yes. I love it. And again, in my generation, sadly, this is no longer the case, I believe. Um, everybody began in the theater. Um, Michael Caine, who is older than I am, not by much, but a bit, um, he is as wonderful an actor as he is by nature. Also, because he did over 300 plays in weekly repertory before, I mean, just going around England, this is before, I think there were a whole lot of cinemas and that many TVs. Every community had a theater and they had repertory and actors used to travel, in England anyway, all over their country doing weekly rep. They'd be booked to six plays in one and four plays in another, or maybe the whole season in another. And that you just do a play a week. And you nothing, there's no, they didn't do Chekhov. They didn't do Shakespeare. Um, they did things like The Reluctant Debutante or Charlie's Aunt or Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. They're just sort of basic, sort of middle-of-the-road, audience-pleasing, easygoing theater pieces. Occasionally melodramas, uh, ten nights in a barroom kind of thing, um, but it, but you just have to get on with your job because you spent the day rehearsing a play and the evening performing another, and every week you'd stop doing one and begin doing another. So every week you had to carry two plays in your head at the time, all the time, and that's incredibly good training. I only did it for two short seasons in a little town outside Toronto, a little town called Drayton. And it was just the best, you know, three plays in four weeks and six, play, six plays in seven weeks for my experience. Well, can you imagine doing that for 300-plus plays? That's Michael Caine's background. And wow. this, sadly, mine was only nine plays, but by God, it was wonderful training. It, you got rid of a lot of self-indulgent baggage you may have had. I was very young. I was 22, I think. One or two when I first did it. 21, my God. Um, and it was, it was just wonderful training and background. And those, those days don't seem to obtain anymore. Actors, I don't know where they start these days. Probably on, there used to be soap opera, and there's so few of them left. I don't know where they start, frankly. People keep telling me about the massive amount of content out there, 400-plus um, scripted shows. All right, but how many of them are any good? I don't watch TV anymore. I just don't. Um, I read. Uh, so I, I can't really gauge the quality, but I can't imagine that it's suddenly spiked with brilliant television. I've seen one or two, um, Breaking Bad. I did see Brian Cranston is such a wonderful actor. My God, he's good. 
And there was, I saw two episodes. There was not an ounce of vanity. Everything about it was absolutely brilliant. It was just so depressing. I didn't want to see it again, frankly. Um, but I admired it immensely. Well, I have a feeling those things are few and far between. And I'm not willing to invest. And I, because I think a lot of what you see, there is someone I'm not going to mention by name, um, but she produced her own show. She starred in it. She basically wrote it. It had an extremely clever gimmick, and that made it a big success. But as a performer, she looked as if she'd learned to act by watching mediocre television commercials. Just everything was a grimace or a really awful take. Um, it, re it was really appalling acting uh, and massive success. And I've seen traces of that in the bits and pieces I have watched. And I, I deplore it. There's no evidence often that I can see of really first-rate performance going on. It's all very surface, and it's all mannered, and it's all incredibly entitled. And I think, oh, no, that's not for me. That's not for me. I'm Meryl Streep, please. Give me the possibilities of greatness, or at least people who are attempting to be the very best they can be in this particular role. It's just so glorious for me as an actor and an audience member to watch stuff like that. And it is so rare. Sorry, that's a long-winded answer, but there we are. I enjoyed every moment. Thank you for sharing your perspective, Gordon. You're such an easy audience, Stephen. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you know what? You are a true professional, and I find you to be very intelligent, and have you have wonderful instincts as an actor, and uh, and and that's fantastic. Uh, listening to your thoughts about being on stage and how that can benefit you when you are in front of a camera all of a sudden. Oh, yes. I started out in theater, and I completely understand and totally agree with you uh, the benefits of discipline and preparation. And as you know, Gordon, when, uh, uh, let's say, those unexpected moments on stage occur, such as mishaps or someone accidentally skipping over lines, it, it teaches you to, to, to keep you on your toes. In the state oh, sure. May I tell you, Christopher Plummer, who I, I have had the pleasure of seeing on stage only once in 1967, uh, but I followed him whenever I can. Um, he, you know, we took over from Kevin Spacey for, what is it called, All the Money in the World, I think, when he played Getty. I believe so. Um, and they had to do, they retake all Kevin Spacey's scenes. And Plummer did a month's work in a week. And he has attributed that with his theater background. He does theater as often as he can. But because he's had to learn enormous parts, Hamlet, Lear, you name it, um, for the theater, and, and that has continued. He's 90 years old now. He was, I think, 88 or 9 when he did all the money in the world. Um, his faculties are clearly still astounding. And he attributes that success in front of a film camera to his 
constant work in the theater. And I completely concur. That's quite an extreme situation. Doing oh, you that bet. much material in a week. Wow. Yep, exactly, exactly. And that brings up a, a question um, just on the fly here, Gordon, because you of all people would know, and that is the word balance. So as a working actor, let's go back maybe to your dynasty days or even Santa Barbara days, because right. I, know, I know you had a, an enormous amount of uh, uh, scripts and workload on Santa Barbara and such a yes. admired role that's often talked about so uh, fondly. But the balance between work and your daily life or your regular life, very important, isn't it, to kind of get that sorted out, or you could really have a lot of conflictions. Yes, I think you're right. Um, I think, first of all, work is something, my work, my job, is something I have loved since I was 18 years old. I challenge you to think of many partnerships with other human beings that have lasted 54 years. I love it as much today as I did when I was 18. There is no one alive except my brother and my sister whom I love that much, and I don't see them very often. I've had relationships. I have friendships. Nothing has lasted 54 years. I have had dogs and cats whom I have loved. I think dogs are the final source of unconditional love, frankly. Um, But it's... So work, if you're lucky enough to love your job, is ultimately the most important relationship for me, anyway. Um, If I had children, I don't. I think if you have kids and then you have grandkids, then that clearly, I would think, would be the most important element in your life. Even, I mean, um, Diane Carroll, for instance, uh, Tony Award, got Emmy Awards, you, you name it, Academy Award nominations, Astonishing Beauty, uh, a wonderful career. would think that for her, if you asked her, when she was really busy, what was her most important element of her life? She would probably say her work, I think, because it doesn't let you down, ever. And people, no matter how much you love them or Layla, they love you or just simply like a lot, you let each other down. Work never has. Other people in the business have, once in a while, certain actresses and actors and directors. Not often, but the work itself never lets you down. Um, so I haven't had to sacrifice in my personal life um, because people whom I've been with, my friends, in, and relationships I've had, everybody's understood how important my job is to me. And because I'm not, I don't think, a monster, and there are one or two in this business, any business, I guess, because I have tried to comport myself decently, um, people would put up with a lot if you're a decent person, which I think I am. But my job is the most important thing. 
and when your job brings you so much inner joy, <laughs> that kind oh, of yes. makes uh, everything else uh, just brighten up around you. And oh uh, yes, you just—it's just such a pleasure. Yeah. It's just such a pleasure. Just like it is speaking with you, Gordon. Once again, thank you. Well, I did give a description of your character on The Young and the Restless, but I wanted to ask you to describe your character, who is a lawyer connected to Chelsea's past. But I did want to ask you up front, Gordon, the word shady comes to mind. That's a perfectly reasonable... (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you something. It was, first of all... um, it was written, and the dialogue, believe me, was written to favor it. It was written for a man from sort of Baton Rouge. There was a definite Southern flavor to the lines, and when I auditioned for the part, I used a Southern accent. And I was told, please come, use the accent, blah, blah, blah. The first thing I heard on the set, the first thing out of the director's mouth was, no accent. And I a little bit shirty, I thought. And I said, why not? But I was really bummed. I thought, this, first of all, he is a Southerner. Young and the Restless is very popular in the South. And it's written. I mean, you can't say to somebody, that's terribly generous of you. It's begging for, that's terribly generous of you, as opposed to, that's terribly generous of you. Do you know what I mean? There's that slight lilt in the line itself. There is well, a difference, yes. I thought, fine, okay, and I didn't. I didn't have a fit on the set. I was ready to. I thought, no, 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 no. You've got a lot of work to do. Don't want to keep anybody waiting. Let's just get on with it. So I did. And it was a treat. I mean, Melissa was, was lovely to work with. Josh Morrow was in the first little scene, too. They're just not talented people. They sure are. Yeah. And, yeah. and Melissa just returned to The Young and the Restless. And I have to tell you, I was very excited because she, I really enjoy her performance on the show. And, of course, Joshua has been on Y&R for so many years. And um, so I was wondering, though, I was thinking about our first conversation when we discussed The Young and the Restless. I'm just wondering, mm-hmm. other than what you just described, from a technical standpoint— is there much different than your first appearance? In other words, is the workflow quicker? Is Are things just done differently? Or is it kind of the same? Frankly, I don't, really, I don't have that clear an image in my head of the first time around. I know that it was six weeks and was mostly with Laura Lee Bell. And it was a pleasure because it always is. The, the, the costume changes and makeup and all that stuff for the girls especially for Melissa, because um, it's still, how does it look, still is the, as important as any other element. And she's an extremely pretty woman. And um, so we had to tend to that. Um, but the l- extraordinary thing was that she had a lot to do that day, far more than I did. And she got through it with all flags flying beautifully. And with just a quiet, professional behavior doing her job, which involved a lot of lines and being true to, this, true to the character. And the camera can pick up the hint of a hesitation of a lie faster than the, the, your dogs can smell something. I just, it's, yes. The camera can detect 
anything false so quickly, especially in soap opera, because people are so closely identified with the characters, and actors are so closely identified with certain actors, with, with characters. It's just, it's, so I was, I was really, I was knocked out, again. I just love working, and I love working with yes. people who are good at their jobs, and they're damn good at their jobs down there. You know, what's interesting to me, Gordon, you had a, a brief um, appearance this second time around, but I was so impressed with you. I was thinking how you took something, you know, in a short period of time and added so many layers to it. You made everything interesting, and I was left wanting more of your character. Thank you. That's a really lovely compliment. Thank you, Stephen. No, um, I, I, I haven't given up. I because he has, <laughs> he has recurring written all over him. Oh, Daryl yes. Tulane was his name, and I had such a good time. And um, I, I know just about everybody up there at Y&R, the supervising producer, the executive producer, the head. I know all these people mostly from Santa Barbara. And so there's a mutual admiration thing going on, which is lovely. And a death, if I were <laughs> asked back to play Daryl some more. Oh, because, yes. first of all, I, I, thank you for what you said of making him interesting. You're welcome. Well, because I've been doing this for 54 years, and I also understand a bit about that particular medium, that unless you give it a bit of real oomph and real interest and some flavor to it, I thought, well, maybe Daryl isn't the nicest individual. He has to have a bit of charm. Um, he knows this woman. He knows her mother. Well, uh, they're not this sort of most straightforward of characters. He's an intimate with them. He, he had a, a little bit of a gleam in his eye about all that money, didn't he? <laughs> oh, he sure did. He sure did. Because yes. he's nobody's fool. And it was just, and also she handled it so well. Um, it was just, it was really, it was fun to do. And I want to do it again. I do. I do. I want you to You're as well. Thank you. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed because I completely agree with you. Opportunity right there. I, I a shady think, lawyer. I, a, a shady, shady lawyer. lawyer. That's yes. right. I thought we would go ahead and discuss some more uh, dynasty memories in just a moment. But before we do... Last time we had such a wonderful and interesting conversation about Santa Barbara, a show that I did not watch. However, I did see from time to time because I could tell that there was some very good writing going on. I was intrigued by a lot of the actors, including yourself. Very excited that you got on that show. But I wanted to ask you, I did not um, get into many of your fellow castmates dur during your time there. So I thought yeah. I would ask you about working with Nancy Lee Gran. It makes perfect sense to do so. I have been watching some clips on YouTube, and wow, you guys really uh, worked very well together on screen uh, from Didn't a viewing we? standpoint. Yeah, we did. Are you okay? He seemed all alone in the waiting room. Oh, I don't know. We're all alone. Into and out of this world, we are alone. I think I've been able to face one thing. My mother is my mother. And she's a loose cannon. And as long as she's alive, I would simply never know what's going to happen next. 
people don't want to live with uncertainties where they most want stability. I got a lot of tongue lashings today. Dad was the most direct, which is not to say that he was the easiest to deal with. But Eden and Cassandra and Cruz and Sophia, the line went around the block. They all took great delight in telling me to grow up, get over it, get a life. But the flaw in all their lectures was the assumption that what I'm doing is willful. Mason, I thought one of those 12 steps was taking responsibility for your life. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Answer is so simple. Everybody knows the answer but me. Well, those clear, concise 12 steps might as well be the yellow brick road. Nancy's a very talented woman. Um, she's very intense. And happily, I have to say, she is now, she's engaged to be married. She's found the love of her life, which is the best news in the world. Her daughter, Kate, is going to be 21 very soon. Um, Nancy's a very happy woman. And if she was, we did work very, very well together. Um, she has... I don't know how to explain it. She's not the she's not a beauty the way certain soap opera actresses are. The way Leanne Hunley, for instance, is sure. as um, on, on as Dana on um, Dynasty. But she's a very attractive woman, yes. um, and with a wonderful quality. And she is a very good actor. She's a and she was a treat to work with. Big treat. Thanks for sharing. And I don't know. I mean, she had she, she went through three Masons: Lane Davies, and then Terry Lester, and then me. And those three very different actors. And Nancy, she dealt with each of us, and of what we had to give to the the part. I never saw Lane play the part. I never saw Terry play the part. Um, I don't watch myself. I hate doing that. Um, so that's all a mystery to me, but I do know how effective Mason and Julia were when Nancy and I did, did that work together. It was a treat. Good actor. Very good actor. I have to agree with everything that you just said, because, um, you know, I, whenever I've watched her work over the years, I've been very impressed and, and, mm -hmm. and that's interesting. You used the word intense, and I, I can pick up on that now. She definitely uh, comes across with very strong decisions. You know, very. You, you know, Gordon, us actors, we tend to notice these things. And, um, and, and maybe that's why you two just really worked so well together, because you also make very strong decisions. And I, I've really enjoyed watching my scenes. I'm going to continue doing so. Good. Please do. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, what, such tell a me fun what? time discussing uh, your time on Dynasty. I just can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And, and once again, to all the listeners out there, Gordon discussed his time with John Forsyth and Joan Collins. I mean, just in, in great detail. I'm going to kind of continue where we left off, Gordon, because I didn't get to ask you about as many people as I had hoped to. So thank you for another opportunity. Of course. 
However, before we do, I came across something very interesting. <laughs> and I had no idea, Gordon. Uh, now that I think about it, it makes perfect sense. It made me want to go out and buy a tuxedo. And that is, I came across a, a commercial ad uh, for, a, I believe, a tuxedo shop, or maybe it was a brand of tuxedo. And it was interesting to me that they actually referenced the character of Adam Carrington. In the commercial, it wasn't just you. you. It was, um, uh, it was something along the line saying that you know, just like Adam Carrington, and then discussing style. Um, I believe it was Tuxedo Junction. Okay, that's news <laughs> to me. Well, I came across it on YouTube, and it uh, it's oh. listed <laughs> as a uh, dynasty. I steer very clear of YouTube. <laughs> gotcha. So this commercial was not ringing a bell to you. No, no. Well, it sure looked like you, and it even has Gordon Thompson. It, and it definitely looks like it's from the 80s. I would say like the, the mid to late 80s. Maybe. Now, you see, memory, what an awful thing to lose. But I, I have a... And there's a actually, lady that comes in in this very nice evening gown, or, and, and you're there in a tux, and, he's, and the, the man's the voiceover saying, just like Adam Carrington. <laughs> well, it had to be me then. It was. And I yes. had to have done it. And I'm afraid, I'm horrified <laughs> to say, that I have forgotten it. I have forgotten it. Exclusively from Tuxedo Junction, the Black Diamond Dynasty Tuxedo, created expressly for Adam Carrington and available only at Tuxedo Junction. Like Adam, the Black Diamond is proud, elegant, confident. At Tuxedo Junction, we know that poise and style are what legends are all about. And isn't that how you want to begin your very own dynasty? See this Tuxedo Junction exclusive and the Dynasty Collection at our former wear locations. Well, I hope that wasn't an unpleasant memory to bring back. No, of course not. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, all these years later, it made me want to go out and buy a tuxedo. So, well well done. Thank you. I, because I've gained, I'm not massively fat, but I've gained weight since I arrived in L.A. with a 29-inch waist. Literally! Um, <laughs> I, so, I gave my old tuxedo, which was Armani, <laughs> um, to a friend of mine, and I had to find another one um, because I had to do a gala thing to raise money for the LGBT Center and the Alcott Center for Depression, um, which we did two performances of, um, reading Valley of the Dolls, which was a whole lot of fun. Um, but I had, we had black tie was the required uh, thing for the guys and evening gowns for the women. And it was, so I didn't have to get a tuxedo. I found something online. You can buy anything online <laughs> i i, I found a, actually an armani tuxedo oh. more or less in my size okay. for a pittance i can't afford a three thousand dollar suit these days um and it's, i just it was it was hysterical i it, it, <laughs> i found it almost laughably silly and embarrassing that i was able to find something created and designed and made by one of the best tailor designers ever uh, for something like 200 bucks. Just insane. Insane. Wow. So tuxedo, and I'm glad I have it. I'm very glad I have it. Absolutely. 
because it, it once in a while, black tie is a very good thing. It's, and even yes. if it's called for and you don't have it, that's cool. Mostly, <laughs> ah, who cares? But if you do have a black tie around, it's very nice. It's very nice. When I am uh, portraying a character, let's say on a project, if I have to wear a suit and tie, I just have to tell you, I feel so comfortable. I don't know if you've worked with people that say, oh, boy, this is uncomfortable. But I just feel very comfortable portraying a character in a suit and tie. Uh, I don't know. It just kind of relaxes me for some reason. Well, it's it's a kind of armor or carapace, if you like. Um, I suspect if you asked any successful, attractive woman in this business, for instance, who has to trot out in, you know, major gowns, um, it's a kind of armor, and like the hair that they have to go, they may, all that stuff is armor. It's it's making you look as good as you possibly can. The way a well cut suit and tie will do the same thing. It makes you look as elegant and gentlemanly and powerful, oddly enough, as you possibly can. There's a reason why executives are called suits. This is true. Yep. Makes perfect sense. And speaking of suits and ties and champagne and backstabbing, and the list goes <laughs> on. <laughs> Isn't the reboot awful? Oh, my God. Oh. Well, I have not actually uh, viewed in any of it uh, myself. Have I've a only look. seen a few clips, but I'll give it a try. Have a look. Anyway. I've only seen, by accident, I, I was for some reason, something I've never done, very rarely do. I was surfing, and I thought, what is this? And I finally, I thought, oh, my God, it's awful. And I didn't last long, but I lasted long enough to realize it was appalling, just appalling. Why they did it, I will never know, never know. Well, sometimes modern and new does not uh, result in better. There was no effervescence. You mentioned champagne. This was flat ginger ale, warm, flat ginger ale. It was uh, just crap. Crap. Sorry. Crap. No problem at all. You're always I'll welcome to speak again. your it mind. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it um, because the show, whatever it had, it was a holiday. It was, we were all very screwed up and rich and good-looking and glamorous. And all that stuff, and it was fun. It was it was a holiday. This wasn't a holiday. The new one. Well, you mentioned uh, Diane Carroll earlier. Yes. And I thought before we discuss any other cast members that I'm very excited to ask you about, I think it's very appropriate to start with her. You know, she also paved the way for many individuals within the industry as well. I you would bet. Like to add. And yes, um, I, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to say whatever you'd like about working with her or or just spending time with her on the set of Dynasty. Again, we, we didn't. I think she and Joan had far more to do. Um, first of all, when you're that extraordinarily beautiful, you automatically draw the eye. But Diane was a, more than just sensationally beautiful. She was incredibly talented. She was a musician, uh, a real musician, as well as being a superb singer, a wonderful actor, um, Tony Award winning, first black 
actress to win a Tony Award um, in 1960, I've forgotten, early 60s. Richard Rogers wrote a musical for her, very smart of him, called No Strings, Tony Award. Um, no accident, clearly, you don't win them by, oh, really? That piece of nonsense? What? No, this breathtakingly beautiful, extraordinarily talented, musically highly gifted woman got a Tony Award. Um, it's, uh, it, she, totally professional, always, again, loved what she did and it showed. She had wonderful energy, relish for the life she had and the lives that she contained in herself. She was just... Jack and I have emailed a bit, a bit about this after she died. Jack Coleman, I mean. And it, both of us, if there's a memorial service, I'm not sure if and when it's going to be. Because um, I had a long chat with Jeffrey Lane, who was, has Diane's publicity uh, man for 40 years. And he had a lot to say. And... Um, he doesn't know when it's going to happen either. But Jack and I would long to go because you want to somehow, and I, as an atheist, I, I I can't claim any kind of profound spiritual, you know, afterlife stuff. I just want to honor a woman I knew, not terribly well, but well enough to really like a lot professionally and personally, um, to honor what I knew of her. And I think Jack feels the same way. Because it, it's a new... And I'm getting to an age now where colleagues start to sort of <laughs> die. Oh <my. laughs> That's, they just die. Because, and Diane, 84, decent age, um, breast cancer. She was an immense pioneer for bringing public attention to breast cancer, I think in the 90s. Um, it finally did her in, I think. Uh, but she was, again, and that's another mark of the extraordinary woman she was. The musician, the actor, the star, the, the survivor of breast cancer. Just this, this is a resume you would like to be stuck on the door of your room. This is the person who lives here kind of thing. This is the quality of the woman that she was. And it's kind of, there's, no, there's nothing disappointing about Diane. Nothing. I appreciate you sharing your, your, your you remembering her. And I wish I could be more, more specific, David, I really do. But I, and I, I can't, I, I, because again, specific scenes are very few and far between sure. that I can remember. But well, she was just a big treat. I was privileged to work with her. Well, well those were beautiful uh, thoughts and a very nice tribute. I think that's very, um, very uh, respectful and just a lovely thing to do. What you and Jack might uh, try to do together, just to show her that you appreciated her. Um, yep, absolutely. And, and, and I think that that is just a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. So um, I, I certainly hope you both get that opportunity. And thank so you again for sharing that. Very well said, Gordon. And speaking of Jack, well, yes. we talked about a lot of people, including Pamela Sue Martin and, and so many others, but we actually did not get to Jack, which was 
very surprising to me. So I wanted to make sure that I did ask you about Jack this time. And I thought I would just mention to the folks out there that, you know, the little bit of the backstory before Gordon crossed paths with Jack on the show was that Stephen had left Denver in an emo- after an emotional outburst uh, w- towards his family, especially his father, Blake. And uh, he, he proclaimed that he was going to be his own man, so to speak. And fast forward to an overseas uh, oil rig explosion. And Stephen was presumed dead. Well, guess what? Not long afterwards, uh, Blake discovers that Stephen is, in fact, alive. And you know what this is leading up to, don't you, Gordon? Yes, when I the do. bandages come off, it's not Al Corley, it's Jack Coleman. <laughs> that's, that's what you call extreme plastic surgery. Very extensive, oh. yes. Oh, that was so funny. Oh, God. And the awful thing is the actor has to bear the brunt of people saying, What? Oh, come on. They, I mean, they, they all, the actors, they, 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 you know, Often audiences do think, I think even today, that these are the lives we're living in front of the camera. And it's our fault that these things happen. When poor Emma, for instance, was saddled with that awful alien thing towards the end of Dynasty. People thought, well, Emma, what are you doing, Emma? Come on, that's a stupid stuff. Yes, it is. She had to do it because that was the material she was given. Well, that was... Jack's, that was his entrance in, into the show. How <laughs> difficult was that? I mean, to cope with. He, of course, made it work. Jack's a good actor. Yes. And with his own, you know, strong presence and uh, just to treat, again, to work with. But that was not the most fortuitous debut, may I say. You know, Gordon, I think from a writing standpoint that maybe, especially, let's remind folks out there, that this was earlier on in the show, I believe season three, when Jack arrived, you know, maybe they would take a different approach down the road, like they did with uh, Pamela Sue eventually with Emma. But you know what? Maybe in a way they were trying to soften the blow. Like, oh my, we have to recast a major character, a major character. So let's just create this explosion. We can have a new actor. We can still have the character. I I wonder if maybe that was part of the philosophy. I'm not sure. Because they had no I choice. I think being very, very polite using the word philosophy. I don't think that um, the powers that be in the writing department um, were that sort of careful. I think they just sort of almost <laughs> threw darts at the board. <laughs> What's going to stick here? <laughs> Plastic surgery was the answer. Okay, okay. Well, you know, Gordon, I remember your earlier scenes with Jack, and, you know, I was very touched by your approach, because despite all that Adam does, I often can't help but trying to analyze him in many ways to try to understand where he's coming from, you know, what fuels this resentment. Obviously, Stephen has his own issues of resentment, but with Adam, it gets a little bit more trickier at times. But I was very touched. Uh, I felt like Adam sincerely wanted to get along with Stephen. There was even some moments where he took a softer approach and wanted to say, hey, we are brothers, but it didn't last very long, did it? You see, you know the show far better than I do. Really, you do. (laughs) 
No, you do. Because I, number one, I didn't watch it. I played it, and it was a treat to work on. I loved the job. Um, what was not to love? Um, but I don't remember specific. Those earlier moments. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Pamela Sue and I apparently, um, Fallon and Adam were sort of sexually turned on to each other before they realized they were in fact siblings. Um, I'd forgotten that. Somebody reminded me. What now? That's interesting writing to me. That's a dangerous thing. It was to very interject. daring, wasn't it? Yeah, very. And it, it did make sense. And then, oops, okay, fine, you back off. Because um, you're blood. But, and with, with, with Jack, I, again, God, I don't remember. I do know that most of us, John, Joan, Linda, most of us worked very hard to make the characters resonate with more than just the ABCs of what the paper said in the script said. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming that Jack and I did that kind of, that kind of work because you have to. Um, I think I told you once that I've, uh, Kate O'Mara who played caress, uh, Alexis's sister at one point. Yes. Um, Kate died about two or three years ago. And in her obituary in the New York Times, she was quoted as saying about Dynasty, but they took it all so seriously. And I went <laughs> to say, I said to myself, Kate, yes, we did. And that's why it lasted as long as it did. That's a nine-year run, because thanks to Forsyth's leadership, we took it all seriously, because it, we don't have the English thing of, you know, they do a massive amount of work in a very small country. We do a lot of work in two two places that are 3,000 miles away from each other, basically. So it's not easy to jump into a theater job and then a film job and then a TV, jumping around as you can in England, where acting in this language began, really. it's This is a new country still, and it's pretty new medium still, a very, very old art form, or whatever craft, whatever you want to call it. But um, I thought, yeah, Miss O'Mara, Miss O'Mara you're, you're, you're being flippant, and you shouldn't be. But anyway, I think that what Jack and I did was he took it very seriously. We had to. Yes. Well, I always enjoyed your scenes together. And of course, there was a lot of intense moments along the way between the two. You know, Gordon, I, I, obviously, since we did not discuss Jack last time, I didn't have an opportunity just to get your right. personal thoughts about this. But the character of Stephen Carrington, speaking of daring, you know, the character, of course, um, you know, uh, struggling with his sexuality. On the one yep. hand, he would have relationships with women. And on the other hand, it seems that he wanted to have them with men. I thought, first of all, that was very daring of ABC or the writers to be, I should say, more appropriately, to, to come up with that uh, for the character. Because we're talking about the first season. They were already saying that, that this was going to be a part of the character of Stephen. But I'm just yeah. wondering what, you, what your thoughts are. Do you think that the character of Stephen Carrington, in a, in a way, kind of paved the way uh, for other characters like him to be written? Yeah, yes, I do. I think that 
the writers got what is the word? They 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 should pardon the phrase. They sort of got very pussyfooty about it. Um, that he was written initially as a complete a gay man, and that's one reason why I believe Al didn't want to continue because he wasn't allowed to play the part he was assigned to play. Um, and so he thought no, and Jack absorbed. The, the the gayness of Stephen, but then they threw, you know, a heterosexual relationship at him, which was Stephen bisexual. I don't think he was intended to be. He wound up being, but I think that was a slight betrayal of the initial intentions, absolutely, um, and from the writing standpoint. But again, Jack buckled down and did it. Good actor, doing very good work with very challenging material. Not only challenging because of the fact that it was one of the earlier. I think Billy Crystal was the first openly gay character, and I've forgotten the show. I'm so stupid. But he was the first um, actor to play an openly gay man. Um, Jack, well, Al and Jack were probably very early on in in the list, certainly. Um, And... It was a shame that they did sort of, you know, shilly-shallied around the issue to a large degree. Um, well, please give Jack my uh, admiration towards oh, you bet. Um, how he... Nice man. That. We had lunch about a month and a half ago. And again, he's in great form, very nice happy, man. seems to me, very busy, looks great. And is moaning because he's in his he's 61, I think now, maybe oh 62. Gee whiz, Jack, I'm <laughs> 74. You know, so shut up. The AARP moans. <laughs> Pardon me, but um, he, you know, he looks great, and he and Beth, Beth is is what very happy. That's what a wonderful. terrific woman she is with a great kid. It's just you know, it's he's uh, he's a, a flourishing individual. He sure is. And just like yourself, Gordon, he also portrayed the complexities of the father-son relationship on that show so yes. well, as, I agree. Di- as did yourself, as Thank did you. yourself. And, um, and I just I know that we talked about John so much, but I just want to add in because I get emotional thinking about this. Just um, I'll tell you what, I, I love watching John uh, portray Blake Carrington. I'm actually going through Dynasty again on Amazon Prime which is wonderful, no commercials. And I just have to tell you, just um, really enjoy John's old school style very much. Oh, you bet. You bet. Now, speaking of beautiful, I would love to ask you about this next lady. And that is someone that has actually been a big supporter of me uh, and my show and someone that I just think very highly of. And that is Terry Garber. And I just wanted to ask you if you have any uh, recollection or any experience of working with her while, while she was on Dynasty. Again, beautiful, smart, wonderful. I don't know. There is a quality about Terry that is just, I think it's as unique. Well, I know people are unique. Everybody is. But she's, for somebody as beautiful and as talented as Terry, there's something 
what is the word? You you know her probably well, better than I do. You know, uh, the word coming to mind is like captivating or, you know, those eyes really draw you in, too. Yes, she does there's a, a serenity. That, there's also, there's a serenity that yes, I feel about yes, her. Yes. Um, her quality is, I, I, she's an exciting actor. But yes. as a as a as a, a human being, as a woman, and as as somebody, I was a pleasure to work with. Again, it's always a pleasure to see one's colleagues. Who it, we were a nice bunch. We were an interesting group of people, and we were basically pretty smart. She's right up there. Wow, she's again gorgeous, sparkling, intelligent, funny, and there's a profound depth to her which often very attractive people don't exude, and she does. Again, it's been a while since I've seen her, but my memories of her are very warm. Well, I'm going to share what you just said with her. She's going to be uh, really excited about that. Well, thank you so much. She's definitely what I call a powerhouse actress, and who could forget her performance on the North and South miniseries? Yes. Wow. Just Yep. Just absolutely sensational. And, and another beautiful lady, you brought her up earlier. Um, you know, She got to portray your wife on Dynasty, and that would yep. be Leanne Hunley. And yep. uh, wow, I remember when she first came across the screen. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. A young guy in the 80s. And, but what was it like working with Leanne? Again, it, I'm sorry to be so boring about this. Everybody was such a treat to work with. It was just, oh, you know, you, you get your script, you get your schedule, you think, oh, good. There's never, oh, God, do I have to, ever. Not <laughs> once. Ever. A good group just, of people. Oh, wonderful. No, Leanne, oh, again, so lovely, and that kind of beauty kind of makes you think, oh, well, it's, that's enough. It's not. It never is. And th- what was what was behind that extraordinarily beautiful face and the, the, the charm was a very, again, talented, smart, funny. Again, I, I, I'm, this is a litany, and I wish I could be, use different adjectives. I can't. She was a huge treat. Huge treat. And there is a gentleman that I'm very excited to ask you about, Gordon, because I've never really discussed with anyone about him, and that would be William Beckley. Right. He was a big part of the early years of Dynasty. In fact, he made, in my personal opinion, he made a huge contribution to getting the show going. Um, he played his part so well. Um, I bet your answer is going to be that just like it was before, but I did want to ask you if there was anything you wanted to say about him at this time. Just that Bill was uh, sort of unsung. Um, it was always kind of, it's always, I don't know, as a, as a very lucky actor, you think, well, we're all doing this together, everybody. Um, it's like, why don't the directors of these shows get more hosannas than they do? Um, because we're such public faces, we get the opprobrium and the hosannas. Um, Bill, an actor on the show, I'm sure he was recognized a lot because he had a wonderfully distinctive face and quality. 
but what he contributed was a part of how, how do you how do you say this? You've got a down pillow, and the cover of the pillow is all glamorous and stuff. But what's inside the pillow is what gives it its shape and its substance. Well, what Bill did, what everybody else who wasn't presented, da da da, dee, da, da all that stuff while the music was playing. All the people who were sort of in the credits for the supporting cast are the ones basically who gave the show its shape and substance. The substance may be more than shape because there that's all it's the machinery, the oiling of the machinery that that's that gives it some character and some depth. It wasn't just, you know, a, a, a six man show. It was a lot of people, many of whom were castmates. And as Gerard, he, it was enjoyable to see the character's loyalty to Blake and even a, yeah. a, an underlying friendship there. You know, it's interesting that a character like Blake Carrington, as mighty and powerful as, as he was, still had an, a, a deep admiration and respect towards the other gentleman. And I always liked that. I agree. Again, that, that would be John trying to give Blake... <coughs> Pardon me. Excuse. No problem. Um, some depth and range, because if you're just playing some, I'm a tycoon. That's really boring. Yes. <laughs> but if you were playing, I am a very wealthy man. I'm a very successful businessman. I'm mad about my wife. Not crazy about my ex-wife. Um, I have got kids who are difficult, and I have friends who mean a lot to me. Then. You, you're talking about a human being with some range and depth rather than, hey, you're Adrian crap, you know. Well, you know, Gordon, I have two more cast mates to ask you about, if you don't mind. Of course. But, you know, you just made me think of something about John and, uh, uh, oh boy, you know this of all people, Gordon. I mean, my goodness, you might be near the top of the list. And and that is, I was always fascinated how John could be tender and compassionate in a scene, but often the complete opposite. Again, all in the same scene. If he got angry or someone did not give him the response that you know the, that the character wanted, uh, it, to me, I was very fascinating. And that means that, like you said so well, he's not a one-dimensional character. He's a multi-dimensional character. And, and it must have been fascinating, those moments, seeing John either go from one extreme to the other, or maybe he started out mad, and then he got tender um, and, and would say that he was sorry for losing his temper. But that must have been quite a thrill for you when, when you would look at your script and, and kind of notice that might be happening in a scene. And I... Um... John would because it was, it was he was playing the part. You know that's to me that's the case of a very good actor doing his job, doing his job very well. And I I was never sort of gobsmacked by anything. I was thinking if I ever thought anything, because you don't sit there and, and critique and criticize because you're not an audience. You're a player in the piece. And if you were just watching something before you go on set, then you're not doing your job. You're not sort of getting involved because then you can't contribute to the scene when you make your entrance. Um, it was just, I was very pleased and proud to work with somebody as good, frankly. 
that's about Thank you, Gordon. as close as I can get to, you know, yelling about or saying anything, really. Um, I have worked, I think, with one great actress in my life. You would never have heard of her. She's Canadian, and she's now not dead. Um, her name was Susan Wright. But that big G, great. I mean, Meryl Streep, great. That's a very, very rare breed. Uh, nobody was in that league on Dynasty. I think maybe with the exception, perhaps, of Mr. Cranston. I doubt very much whether actors of that league are working on TV right now. I hope they are, but I bet they're not. But certainly in, in the days of Dynasty, no. You had very skillful, good people. You had Larry Hagman, you know, how leading. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful actor. Really wonderful actor. Same thing with John. It was just a really good actor doing a really good job. You know? Did you know, Gordon, uh, and maybe you don't know this, but please forgive me if you already do, Terry shared with me, and I had never known this, that before she accepted or landed her role in Dynasty, so to speak, Dallas right. had offered her also a role at the same time. And uh -huh. that it was very conflicting for her to decide between the two, but obviously she went with Dynasty. But I did not right. know if you were, had ever heard of that. No, I didn't. I did not know that. It's very interesting to think about. Yeah, but, well, because both shows needed very attractive actors who could do their job, and she, God knows, qualified. Um, Tracy Scoggins, for, who did do um, Dallas yes. with Larry Hagman. Yes, she did. Stunningly beautiful. Tracy was on The Colbys. Um, yes. My cousin Monica. Um, That's right. Tracy's, I think she's in Galveston doing some, some things with... Um, some property she inherited. But again, gorgeous, talented, vigorous, intense, funny, slightly nuts, in fact, possibly rather nuts, <laughs> oh, but, and, wow. and, and a dear friend. You know, it's just, yes. um, it, it's, uh, I, I see her once in a while um, when she does pop into L.A. We at least have lunch or something. Um, please tell her I said that I thought her scenes with Larry Hagman were just over the over the moon. I just thought I was very impressed with how well they clicked together. Well, it's hard not to click when somebody's that gorgeous and that vigorous and giving you so much. Really, very true. <laughs> very true. I always enjoyed her character on Dynasty very much, and and this gentleman, uh, Gordon. I, I'm very curious to just see if you have anything to. Um, to add about his uh, uh, his uh, character or your experience with him on the show, and that is Jeffrey Scott, who portrayed Mark Jennings. I, I found his character to be very different from so many of the others. Um, sometimes he really didn't care what anybody else thought about him, kind of like his own person, so to speak. But uh, anything to say about Jeffrey? Um, I we never worked together, as far as I remember. Um, I don't. I have nothing specific because the character was a kind of cipher. Um, didn't get to know him very well. I mean, we were going to work together, but we'd never had scenes that I remember together. That's true. Uh, he worked, I think, mostly with Joan. Um, and Pamela, a lot with Pamela. Okay. As the tennis And they're the people to ask. <laughs> not, they're the people to ask, really. Very true. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to ask you about him. 
um, especially since I've just never really hear anybody talk about them, so to speak. So thank you for permitting me to do so. Now, this person, a lot of people know who she is, and this would be the last person I was going to ask you about today, and that is Heather Locklear as Sammy Joe. Right. Again, we almost never work together. Um, I get Jack, and she had a lot to do. Um, Heather, again, it must be very difficult to be 24, to be a very pretty blonde, successful actor in Hollywood. Um, she pulled it off, and she has she had a penchant for bad boys, as you probably know. Um, and she's... Um, Again, she was a wonderful. She had sparkle. She had huge energy and sparkle. Uh, again, not have did we didn't work together, but one sort of knew that she was going to be the next spelling blonde star, um, sort of Linda's heir, if you like, um, which she was. You know, she went on to 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 lead two series for Aaron which is sensational. Again, energy. There was something there the camera loved and um, sexy and sort of fearless. And it would, I, I, I understand that she's had troubles um, almost from the get-go, I gather. I have never been um, a fan of yellow journalism and she is, I think, has been ill-treated, or in her privacy has been invaded appallingly badly. Um, so it's, it's, it, I think it's sad, because when you're 24, you aren't equipped, you have no defenses, um, and whatever you do, you eventually have to pay for, if you do something which is beyond the pale or questionable in some way. Um, you're so young, you really make poor decisions, and but you'll pay for them eventually, which she has done, I believe. But along the way, she became a big television star. I mean, a big one. And yes. um, for That's very good reason. Camera loves her. Yes. And there's a... There's a direct, I was always... I, I always found a directness about Heather. And um, when I was asked to take part in a recent um, documentary about her, uh, I think my manager and I had a chat and I said, Kathy, I don't want to. I think they're going to want to be negative and I can't do that. I, I, can't, I won't do that. To appear, um, this is somebody I had respect and affection for, who's been very lucky in many ways and unlucky in others. I would rather not stress the tabloid crap that she's engendered. You know, I respect that very much, Gordon. You can't do it. You have. To, don't you think, in the long run, what you have to take with you when you? <laughs> Are removed from the planet, erased, whatever is. I would like to feel I hadn't let myself down 
too much. It's called integrity, and all of us have integrity lapses, but the people I value do their utmost to hang on to it. They do. That's a and, and I, right there. Well, it's also, don't you think it's true, Stephen? Really, it's just, it, it, you, it, it is. It, it, it and is. the older you get, the more important it becomes. But you can't go back and say, oh, I wish I had done that when I was 34. I wish I'd done that when I was 70. You, you can't do that because you can't re- relive your life. You know, so I think you have to... All of that's very true. And, and you know, Gordon, uh, one of my phrases for my show is meaningful interviews. And it backs up all that you just described so well, is that I intentionally avoid gossip because... I, I want to be different. I want to be more about the artistic journey and, and the understanding that people make mistakes in life, but it's really how sincere they are about, like you just said so well, you know, are they still, are you still striving for integrity or, or, or to at least pick yourself back up? And so yes. thank you for sharing that perspective. Oh, I think it's honestly important. And I'm so old now that I just, I can actually <laughs> look back. No, truly. And I, I can look back and think, well, I have, and I've had a pretty nifty, rather interesting existence from sure an have. early day. You know, I really have. <laughs> you sure have. You sure brightened up uh, my time in the 80s because, Thank um, you. you know, I couldn't wait for Dynasty to come on. I was a huge Dallas fan. I mean, that's what got it going for me. But right. what I loved about Dynasty was that I couldn't wait to see Adam Carrington more than anybody. You're not a well man, Stephen. You are not well. You really. Oh, are. I'm trying to hide that from from you, but I guess it's too late. So okay. Well, the last question I just wanted to ask is kind of, um, you know, just one where about reflection, and that's about the character of Adam Carrington himself. When mm-hmm. you think back, was there certain types of scenes that you look back and go, you know what, I enjoyed these type of scenes with Adam. You know, was it the more intense ones? Was it the more um, compassionate ones where he tried to show another side of himself? Um, any thoughts on what was your favorite moments as Adam, as an actor? Um, I think I've said this to you before. My first, this, the first scene I ever shot, um, I didn't realize this until somebody told me. There was a writer signed specifically to my scenes initially. I don't know who it was. I wish I did because I would send him today a bunch of flowers to say thank you for my very first scene. I worked with, I think I told you, Lorene Tuttle, who had been, oh God, when I walked onto the set, I thought, oh Jesus, they're doing this up, Brown, because I knew who she was. I knew how wonderful she was. I didn't know enough about her resume, but I I knew that she was one of those wonderful old character actors in Hollywood who grew up working with everybody, every director you want to work with, Orson Welles, you name it. Um, And there she was playing my grandmother in bed, sick. And that was my introduction. And it was an extremely well-written scene. Um, It had the seeds for everything else I had to do as Adam. And that is... That's my favorite in in my memory, which, as we know, is a dead hazy. But it's it, it, that's the one. But 
I have to say that there's nothing I didn't enjoy about Adam. Again, I'm the actor. He's the character. I had to do what they wrote him to do. I had to portray it. Um, So as an actor, there was not a better part for a man, and I include Blake in this, not a better part for a guy on Dynasty than Adam Carrington. Best part for a man on the show. Right up there with Alexis. Well said, and uh, I'll tell you what, I I really uh, think back to how you had, uh, there was like a certain zest to Adam. Uh, You know, he he seemed like a guy that was very passionate about life, a lot of energy. Maybe that's what I'm trying to bring to the table. So Adam had a lot of energy. I like that about your uh, performances, Adam. I mean, he sure had his moments of calmness as well, but uh, I kind of connected to that whole like uh, zestfulness that the character had, and Thank I you. just th- thought you gave truly a memorable performance uh, on primetime television that um, you know I-, I think will be remembered uh, very fondly and with a lot of respect and admiration for decades and decades to come. Thank you. Most Lovely. welcome. And thank you, uh, Gordon, for visiting me again. Um, I may have said this last time, but I'll say it again. I really enjoyed every moment. Thank you. So did I. Dynasty will continue. You can receive all the latest episodes of Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham delivered to your favorite listening device by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whatever happens to be your favorite podcast listening service. Don't miss out. Tune in.